uh, glad to have you here. We're having a tailgate party afterwards and watching some baseball, kind of enjoying the day. Glad you could be with us and uh, hope you'll uh, come back and check us out, too. Uh, let's see. Thanks for the singing. I, I, I remember where we were when uh, we bought that Superman hat. Uh, we were at Six Flags, and Nathan wore that hat. It's true, all the time. And uh, what, a, what an object lesson. So I want to thank him for that and Pat's for a great opening. Um, Great Old Church is just a church, guys. We're just a regular church trying to serve our Lord. And uh, we believe in the Word of God, and, and we believe in uh, loving one another. And so uh, if you're a guest here for the first time, here's the way it works. Uh, we did some singing. I'm going to do some talking. We'll sing another song or two. And during that time, you have a communication card in your bulletin. And in that communication card, you can have a prayer request or maybe something... Maybe circle a, bo- a, a word or a box, check a box, something like that. If you're needing, uh, wanting us to, to maybe make a call or talk with you, but we want we want you to know that we have people that pray over these cards. And if you've got a special prayer, uh, prayer is effective in this church. And if we pray that we, I pray that you'll you take advantage of that. Uh, We'll take up our collection at the end of this service, and if you're a guest here, you're under no obligation to give. So if you're not giving, you're not going to get some dirty look. Now, if you go here and you're a member, you might get a little look of concern. <laughs> no. But if you're a guest, you're not under any obligation to give to this church. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't invite you uh, today, especially today, uh, to uh, get something out of your pocket. We want to put something in your heart. We hope that uh, you can walk away encouraged by today. Um, Let's see. Uh, there's a lot of announcements in the bulletin. You can look at that over, too. And uh, there's a guy's night out. We're planning for the 27th to go watch the Monsters. That's interesting. Uh, uh, football, indoor football league. And so, uh, guys, sign up for that. We're going to have a great time. We're going to be meeting together for a lesson and then uh, going out and having a great night together. Um, let's see. Today we're finishing up a series we started at the beginning of this year. Can you believe it? Uh, what a... What an incredible series we've had. This is the 11th of uh, you know, the final lesson out of this series called Sinking Down Roots and Raising Fruit. And uh, next week, we're going to be looking uh, at the book of Acts. And we figure it'll take us about 120 Sundays, but we'll get through the book. Okay, maybe not that long, but we're, gonna, we're going to be starting the book of Acts. And I uh, hope you'll join us with that as we study on what, what, is it, what is the book of Acts about and what's it encourage you and I to do. Um, in this series, we've been looking at this one particular passage in Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we've, we, what we've learned is, what we're trying to learn is, is that, that where we sink our roots like a tree is the fruit eventually comes, wherever our roots are. If we put our roots in something good, we're going to have good fruit. If we put our roots in something bad, we're going to have bad fruit. And we've been looking at this passage in Galatians 5 now for several weeks and we've been looking at it in different translations and you might find you know I don't know how you are with different translations you're going to notice I use a lot of different translations in my sermons somebody asked me one time why do you do that I said because I like it and they said well yeah but it looks like you're getting you're getting a a particular translation to make your point well yeah I think it makes it easier to understand but I think that kind of reveals something about uh, people and about us when it comes to translation of the Bible. I have an NIV Bible in my hand. I use it most of the time. I know several of you have a New Century version, am I right? Yeah, great version. 
And what happens with the what is it? What about all these translations, Tim? What is it about? Well, you can either be pro or con on this, and be pro about this. That is, a translation tends to look at a topic or look at a passage, and they use words that relate to that passage from different ways to get us to understand what it's really saying. For example, in Galatians 5, I think the NIV says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You know, it says, the, but the fruit of the Spirit. And I think we've been reading another translation that says something like, when the Holy Spirit takes control, God will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So we get this idea that, that uh, for us to... to, to to somehow have these 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 things in our life, it's it's more from God than it is from me, or from you. That you and I on our own really can't love, have love, or joy, or peace, or patience. We tend to struggle with these things. And it's interesting to me that in this particular translation, I, I picked it on purpose because it says the spiritual nature. Produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are no laws against things like that. I know this. If you're a teenager and you were to live with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, your parents wouldn't be calling child and family services going, Get this kid out of here! If, as a husband or a wife, you lived with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control... The spouse, wife, isn't going to call somewhere and go, I need to divorce this man. is just crazy. You wouldn't be doing that, would you? You uh, If you you were an employer and you had an employee that had these traits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, you're not going to come in here, Jetson, you're fired. You're not going to get that. Why? Because you have these qualities and they would love to have more people like that. Nobody gets fired over these. Now, what I notice, and I want you to circle this word spiritual nature, that's what I notice about this passage today, is that it says spiritual nature. You see, uh, i got to be honest with you, it's not my nature. I just don't have the nature. I'm not naturally loving. I'm not naturally joyful. I'm not naturally peaceful. Patience, ask my kids. I'm not naturally patient. Kind, some of you, if I give you a chance, I verify it. It doesn't come natural. Goodness. I'm reminded of a passage where Paul said in Romans 7, I've learned that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. And if the Apostle Paul says he has trouble being good, I know I could put myself in it and say the same thing. And, and faithfulness. I was thinking about just all the promises I've broken simple ones, like, I'll see you at 6 and show up at 8. You know, two big ones. You know, so, so uh, uh, you know, and, and, and then it says gentleness. And, uh, uh, there you go. Wow. That's not natural for me. Self-control? I think I just proved that I'm not, it's not natural. So self-control, of course not. How do you feel about that? Does it come natural for you to be loving, kind, peaceful? Of course it doesn't come natural. Now, some of you seem to have, uh, you tend to be a little kinder than others. Seem to be, you can, you can be counted on. You've got some, some faithfulness, maybe more than somebody else. 
But when you think about it, there doesn't come natural to you. You've learned some of that. You know, left on our own, we're out of control. And what I notice in this passage, uh, again, is this idea of self-control. Why, does it, why doesn't it say God-control? Self-control? I can't control myself. Is God trying to tell us, I want you to learn how to, do, to control yourself? Is God trying to say in this passage, I know you can't control these things very well, Tim, so I'm going to help you control these things. I'm going to give you not your nature. I'm going to give you a new nature. And when you have a spiritual nature, when the Holy Spirit is in control, it's a new life that can possess these things. But God isn't going to do it for you. You hear me? He wants you and I to be involved in this. That's why it's called self-control. It's kind of like, you know, we all drive and afterwards we're all going to go home and, and, uh, and, and we're going to get in our cars and start them up and uh, hopefully we're going to put it in drive. We're going to, somebody said R stands for race. I was like, no, 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 it's reverse. But we put it and we go and we, we drive along. You see, one of the things I think we need to understand is that God has given you and I something that he will not take away. And that is the choice. Your greatest power, my greatest power, the thing that God will not take away from you is choice. He doesn't want robots following him. He wants people who will let him control their life. That they choose to do that. You see, you and I have all the levers. We have, you have all the levers. I have all the levers in my life. You know, I know we hear people say things like, you drive me crazy. And I want to say, well, who had a hold of the steering wheel? You make me so... I, I said, I said Finney just said, you make me... And Mike Tiffmeyer goes, feel like a... And I go, no, 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 no. And then Bob Bader goes, I feel like dancing. And I go, no. We say things like this to one another. You made me... You make me... Or you made me do it. Or you make me feel like this. And, and, and you know, guys... Or you make me so... Mad. Nobody's holding a gun to our heads. We have the levers. Right? You and I have the levers. We're letting these things happen. We're shifting that gear. And God, instead of saying, here, let me have the levers. I love this. Instead of God saying, let me have the levers. Move. Okay, let me show you here. That's drive. That's reverse. That's neutral. And this is park. You know, uh, instead of instead of taking the wheel, he's saying, "Okay, I want you involved in this. I want you to take your lever, put it in drive." There, guys, remember driver's ed. Remember what the instructors say. Why? Why is it the instructor driving? Because you're learning to drive. He already knows how, and he's just saying, "Put it in gear." Okay, look around, check your mirrors, stop, you're going to kill us. I mean, things like that. Brave people, as driver's ed teacher. But I want you to see, I guess, before we get into all this stuff about self-control, that God wants you to be able to control yourself. And God wants to help you 
because we really can't. That make any sense? That helps me today. You know, I think it says in the last verse in your notes. Flip over there and look at the last verse. You don't have to show it, Pat. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. What's it say? But and of self-control. Self-control comes from God. Self-control comes from God. In fact, I want you to see something here. So if you want self-control, you've got to look to God to find self-control. I want you to see something here. Have you noticed on this verse that self-control is last? Is listed last? See, in Greek culture, in Roman culture, in anything philosophically speaking culture of Paul's day, self-control always was at the first of the list. Why does Paul put it at the end? I think it's to encourage you and I. Because when we realize, I don't love very well, I don't have a lot of joy, or there's times I don't have peace, no, patience, oh, kindness, oh, good, oh, gentleness. Oh, what's this? Uh, self-control. By the way, I'll help you develop all of these. Isn't that encouraging? And it happens when, not when you say, God, take the wheel, but God, show me how. And God says, okay, with you involved, we're going to do this together. He wants, I want you to understand, God wants to produce this fruit in you with you involved. With you involved. So today, don't worry about your husband. Don't worry about your wife or your kids or somebody else in this room. I want you to think about what are you doing? What, and what will you decide today that will make it possible for God to produce self-control? I tell you what, guys, right now, some of us here, including me, we've got to have some self-control. We need self-control. God give us self-control. So how do I get self-control? How does it? How do I develop self-control? Well, I guess the first thing I guess would would be is I've got to look at myself. I guess that would be the, wouldn't that be the first thing? How you'd start off? Yeah, I just start with myself. After all, it's called self-control, so it makes sense to start with me, right? Why is it we, we, have, we have a tendency to blame other people for losing control? Why did you bring that chocolate cake out here? You know my problem with chocolate cake. You know, you did not bring Oreos. Oh, no. Oh, no, they don't have a chance against me. You know, why do we blame other people? You know, if you would do this, then I wouldn't feel like this. If you just change some things, then... I could change. You know, we want to blame other folks. We want to put it on them. We want to start with somebody else. We have to start with ourselves. If you want self-control in your life, you have to start with yourself. Let's look at this passage. Or, I'm sorry. Look, yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, it says here, a person without self-control is as defenseless, defenseless as a city with broken-down walls. What's he saying? What's Solomon saying? He's saying when you don't have self-control in your life, the walls are crushed. Whose walls are crushed? Your walls. You 
understanding? Not somebody else's. He says, when you lose, have self, lose self-control, you're the one that's defenseless because your walls are broken down. And, and when, you're, when, when, when you lack self-control, you have no protection. You have no boundaries. You don't respect boundaries. I thought I heard amen. Think about that. You don't respect other people's boundaries. And when you're out, when you don't have self-control, you don't even expect people to respect yours. And the thing I want you to, to understand is, is that, is that you've got to look at your own life right now and realize that when, without self-control, things go amok quickly. And you're asking for trouble. Like a city with broken down walls. You can't keep anything worthwhile because it, it quickly goes. I want a good marriage. But you won't keep it. That you won't have a good marriage and develop a good marriage without some self-control. With the walls broken down, without learning to control your temper, control your spending, whatever it be, you're going to ask for trouble. Now, i got to think, and what are some things that I have a problem with that I think, well, I don't know if you do, but I thought some things that we tend to lack control with. And we, t- we tend to have, to have a lack of control in. And, and um, let, let's look at these, okay? Four common areas where I can lose control. The first one is my finances. You ever said this to somebody? Our spending's out of control. We're, we're a mess right now. I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. We've lost one end, you know. And, and so our, our finances are a mess because we haven't learned to curb our spending. We haven't learned to discipline ourselves. You see, guys, I want, I want you to see something here. I, there's somebody, I think you're probably wondering, what does self-control mean? It means getting a hold of myself. That's what it means, okay? Getting a hold of myself. And one of the things I want you to see is another word for self-control would be self-discipline. And self-control is not just resisting something. Many of you here do a great job of resisting, and that's wonderful. And I want you to know that is a facet of self-control. It's saying, I refuse to do that. I'm going to resist that. But there's another aspect of self-control you've got to see, and I'm afraid some of you here are robbing yourselves of great blessing. And it's not just resisting something, but actually making yourself do something that's good. It's not just making yourself stop it. I was telling you the other I was telling the other group, I said, you, I don't know if you've ever done this, and I don't mean to be crazy, and I hope my credibility isn't shot after I do this. But I'm the kind of person occasionally will get in front of the mirror, and I'll go, Tim, I don't know what I'm doing. Stop it. Step out of it. <laughs> you hit me. You are kidding, Tim. No, I'm not kidding. And, I'm, and I go, get a hold of yourself. Stop acting that way. Okay. You're right. I need to self Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm not done. Why? It's not just stopping. You've got to go do this. You've got to go love that person. You've got to choose to do the right thing, not just resist the wrong thing. Don't make me slap you. Okay. I didn't do that. I don't do that. Everything else I've done, though, 
Denise and I are having a fight. I go in the mirror, you know, go in the bathroom, go look in the mirror. Help me! You know, what are you doing? You're such an idiot. I, what do I do? You've got to get for yourself. Bob Bader was telling me, he goes, yeah, I, now I'm going to look in the mirror and if I grab myself, I hope I don't see your face. That would freak me out. <laughs> ah, get all these. But it's, it's, it's not just resisting. It's making yourself do the right thing. Uh, there's an old Bible time song, Bible hour song. We used to be sang when I was back at the kids. Self-control is just controlling yourself. It's listening to your heart and doing what is smart. Self-control is the very best way to go. So next time I think I'll control myself. Yeah, easy work. I know I'm not one of the three tenors, but at least you got the point, okay? And, and I'm saying, when you look at your finances, look at this verse here. I've lived this verse in Proverbs. Wise people live in wealth and luxury, but stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. That's the part I remember living, and I still occasionally, I'm stupid with my spending. And how many times have you said, you are so stupid. Why did you buy that? Or, what are we going to do? This is so stupid. Because we've lost control of our finances. That's what's happened. Look at this next verse. It says, don't worry yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to control yourself. What's he saying? Well, it's not just spending. It's earning sometimes we get ourselves in trouble with. i got to get more hours. i got to get more hours. Why? So I can get more. Why? I, know I want more. And it ends up just wreaking havoc through our, our home, through our lives. I don't know if finances is one for you, uh, but I, I can tell you that when my wife took my credit card from me, Give me the credit card years ago. I was out of control. Here's the, here's the second thing. The second thing in, uh, that I think we tend to have trouble controlling, and that's my emotions. Huh? Are you emotional? I hear people say, no, I'm not emotional. Yes, you are. You just showed it. <laughs> uh, we just emotional differently. We express it differently. Some people, remember anger management? You know, there's two kinds of people at the supermarket. There's the one that's griping about the coupon and the other one that takes the Uzi from out behind the counter and kills everybody in the store. And remember what he says? He goes, no, I'm the guy that's hiding behind the fruit section. You know, <laughs> I know some of you are very quiet but emotional. Some of you are very, you know, loud. And you've got them right here. Um, what's the problem with losing control of our emotions? We don't think very good. Reason gets thrown out the window. Look at this passage. Oh, I hate it. I hate this passage. You know any Bible passage you don't like? This is mine. A fool expresses all his emotions. Oh, really? Yeah, really. But a wise person controls them. Hmm. Hmm. 
losing control of your emotions. Emotions will make you so screwed up and so fickle. They mess with your perspective. They mess with your reasoning. You can't see the facts. You can't see by faith because you're seeing by feelings. Been there. Done it. What's another one, Tim? Uh, let's see. Is it my body? I think it is. My body. Sometimes we lose control of our body. There's all kinds of things we lose control of when it comes to this body. We lose control of our ears sometimes. We hear stuff we shouldn't be listening to. Our eyes. We're looking at stuff we shouldn't be uh, looking at. We Sometimes our stomach. Our stomach. You know, I, uh, somebody said, Tim, uh, you seem like you've lost some weight. Yes, I have. Uh, have you talked to the doctor? No. But I talked to the next best thing. I talked to Joe Tankerson. <laughs> I talked to Joe Tankersley. We're at Lowe's. We see each other there often. He goes, Tim, have you ever seen the video How to Heart Attack Proof Your Life? Or How to Heart Attack Proof Yourself? No. Watch that video. Me and Stephanie have been eating vegetables and less processed food and sugars. We've lost 20 pounds in the last month. And I'm like, three months? Was it a month or three months? In a month? I was like, what are you eating, Joe? Well, here's what we eat. And he starts naming it off. Like Daniel. Vegetables. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going, okay, I get it, I get it, okay. And I get in the truck, and I'm driving along, and I'm thinking, you know, I've quit, I've quit soda. I drink it every once in a while. I haven't had one in a couple of weeks. I may have one today. There's nothing simple about drinking soda. Some of you here are like guzzling it down. I'm going, I remember when I used to have three Big Macs in one setting and drink all the soda I wanted and I could stay and now I, I can't and so um, and, 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 and uh, I, I really admire that you know but our stomach sometimes does this to us at the cookies or whatever it be um, M&M's um, look at the Bible says here about the body each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable I know, guys, you'd have a real hard time for me talking about self-control if I weighed 350 pounds. A lot of preachers do. You know that's true. How could I talk about it? How can anybody talk about it when they're, they're that large? I know, I know a preacher that got convicted about that and, and changed his eating style because of that very thing. Because, you know, I preach about self-control with guilt. I don't have to anymore. I said, well, I still do. I, I'm the emotion problem. So I, I need to hear this sermon today. Because my emotions get the best thing to do. We take care of our body. You know, what, what we say. Oh, our mouth. Oh, my mouth. The things that... Guys, you know, I want to I want to say to you here at Greater Alton. You know, um, I'm so thankful that... I'm not reading, you know, and I'm not on Facebook, but once a year. The people that are on it every day are not reading silly stuff from Greater Old Church. And I think that's just so good to see. Uh, you're, you're, you're controlling your tongue and continue to do that. Uh, reckless words, the Bible says, pierce like a sword. The tongue of the wise brings healing. So keep being wise about that. But the body gets us in trouble. My body, lust, my brain. These things, we find ourselves losing control, right? 
has ever been a part of your body that got the best of you? Yeah. But there's a fourth one, and that's my ambitions. My ambitions. What do you mean by ambitions? Well, I hope this passage helps us understand ambitions. An evil man will be caught up in his evil ways. He will be tied up by his sins as if they were ropes. He will die because he does not control himself. Wow. He'll be held captive by his own foolishness. What's he saying? He's saying that uncontrolled desires end up controlling me. That if you don't get a control, get a hold of your desires, your ambitions, even dreams, even plans, even the desire to be right, if you don't control it, it will control you. And it will destroy you. It will imprison you. This isn't just drugs and alcohol. It's emotional things. It's things and materials in general. It's people. If you don't learn to, to curb your ambitions, your plans, and they're not about the Lord, but about what you want. I'm reading a book right now called The New Normal. And it's blowing my mind. Because what I'm learning is... My normal that I expect God is not interested in. He's not interested in what I think is normal. He's trying to convince me I should be interested in His normal. And that's the new normal. The cover is a rose upside down. It's upside down. That don't make sense. That's the new normal. When your life is turned upside down, what does God do? So I'm saying to you this morning... Do you find your ambitions, your desires sometimes get the best of you? The Lord wants to help you have self-control in those things. Because they get us in all kinds of trouble. So the first thing is, I must, I must just take a good look at myself. I must start with myself. What's the second thing? The second thing I can do is I must set good goals or positive goals. I set just good positive goals. It's important to set goals. You say, well, I don't believe in goals. Well, guess what? You're pro- that's probably why you're messing up. That's probably why you're not making any progress. you got to have goals. You're crying out loud. Some personal goals. Look at this passage here in 1 Corinthians 9. Paul says this. This is the Apostle Paul. All athletes, and that's appropriate today as we're, since we're talking about baseball and we're, talking, we're going to watch some baseball. All athletes practice what? Strict self Control. I think the NIV says they go into strict training. What's the New Century Version say? What's it say? Is that it? You guys got, you don't have your Bibles out? You got what? You got NIV? I mean, what's it say? Loading. It says loading. Okay. What's that? I can't hear you. All those that compete games do what? Wow. It says there, use self-control so they can win a crown. And you get this idea. And look what Paul says. He says, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But look what he says, but we do it. And I want you to notice something here, church. From the apostle to the newest Christian. He, Paul, Paul includes himself in this and says, we together, we do it for what? An eternal prize. You want a reason to go into self-strict training and be a disciplined person? 
there's an eternal blessing waiting for you on the, at the end of this race. He says, so I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. What's he saying there? He said, I'm not a guy that's just beating the air and shadow boxing. No, I'm going to hit my mark. If I want to change something in my life, I'm going after it, and I'm going after the head, and I'm going after the jaw, and I expect to hit something. I've got a goal. I'm not going to go, whiff, whiff, there's my goal, whiff, and keep him away. No, I'm going to put it on him. I'm going to put it on this habit that I've got, this, this nature that I'm fighting. It comes natural to me. I want that spiritual nature in me now. He goes, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. What's Paul saying? He goes, I'm in this race, and I'm running right away. He says, I'm in this race, and I'm going to be doing the running, not somebody else for me. My parents don't run for me. My children don't run for me. I don't mean run from me, but run for me. And that's what I mean. Nobody runs for me, for Tim, and nobody runs for you. It's something you... What is, it, what is he saying? He, Paul is saying, I'm taking my spiritual maturity seriously. Now, I know sometimes we, when we talk like this, it may sound like there's no responsibility on any coaching or any directing from other people or discipling from other people. That's not... That's, of course there's, there's help there. And yes, if you're discipling somebody, you ought to be able to help somebody, all right? And, 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 that, help, and that is a good combination. We're going to see that in a minute. But nothing replaces that I am in the race and that I'm to run it. You're to run your race. And the person discipling you, by the way, is running theirs. They can't run two races at one time. This isn't Harry Potter. And your Hermione, who can make herself with a necklace, be at two places at the one time to take classes. You thought you'd never see Harry Potter but in a sermon, I know. But you see what I'm saying for some of us here? You're to run your race. By the way, did they get in a lot of trouble trying to do that? I thought they did, yeah. What a mess. Now, you say, well, I don't set goals. Start setting goals. Personal goals of what you're going to do. Well, like, what kind of goals? Well, I think the passage kind of helps us here with three goals introduced. The first goal is, and I, and I know the point that's going to be made as I get with God. I'm going to tell you, the first goal you ought to have is that I will walk with God. I will walk. Not get with. Walk with God. Because a lot of times we get with God, then we walk away. Well, I got with God. Now I can go on. No, we walk with God. And, and the guys, this race that you're running... God sets the pace. You hear me? God is setting the pace. Sometimes, the Bible says that we're to keep in step with the Spirit. Sometimes the steps are a little faster. Sometimes they're a little slower. And sometimes the steps go like this. What are we doing? What are we waiting for? Um, no, wait. We're moving again. We're walking. How come we're walking? Slowly. Why? Because I want you to get this. I want you to stop, Tim. Why do you want me to stop? Because there's an opportunity to grow here. And we're not going to go forward until you get it. 
guys you know, all the time we're, we're in a hurry for the next lesson, the next lesson, the next lesson. And God's saying, could you just get this one down first? Let's get this one down and not worry about having some creativity. You know, how long are we going to talk about discipling? A long time till we get it. Till we get it. And, and, and walking with God is, is this idea of being in step with Him and living with Him and walking where He takes you. Not where you want to go. And, and this idea of walking with God is, well, look at this passage here. Let me give you an example of getting with God or walking with God. This is in Proverbs, uh, and it says this. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Can you believe it says that? But when people don't accept divine guidance, they run wild. Whoever obeys the law is happy. You know, without, without getting with God, without walking with God and getting into His Word, you're not going to have control. You can forget about having a spiritual influence and God's control and helping you learn how to control your life. To resist and, and incorporate. To resist the bad things and incorporate the good things in your life. talking to Janet Bader. Janet was here yesterday at our church meeting. We had a four-hour church meeting. It won't be that long, guess, today. And she just talked about how she started reading her Bible that that Shauna Quick and her discipling, her her small group, her discipleship group there, had a challenge. They gave a schedule. We're going to read some of the Old Testament, some of the New Testament. She's read... uh, she only missed three days in the last three months of reading her Bible. And that's because she had, they thought, a heart attack and was in the hospital. And I said, oh, come on, Janet, be committed here. You know? No, no, I didn't. No. <laughs> I can't help it. You know, but she goes, yes, I missed three days. I'm going, oh, my. A heart attack stopped you. Wow. <laughs> and she said, I've read ten books in the Bible. I've finished ten of them, Tim. And it's making, it's incur- I'm starting to read other books now, outside of the Bible, Christian books. And I go, why are you doing this? Well, Shauna challenged us in our group. We've got to get deeper in the Word so we can give good answers to people and be able to explain the Bible to people. And I want to do that. And guys, I want to tell you, she, when she said, about, I've missed three days. And I listen to some of you and you go, Tim, I, you know, I, I hear some of you. Uh, and and, and uh, let me tell you what I first I never hear anybody say I missed three days on Facebook I missed I, I've been in Facebook every day for ten years and I missed the other day what do I do you know, I'm, you, you know I'm going don't you Cassie you know I'm going with this I'm saying we spend too much time on Facebook and not enough in this book. Where's the, where's the devotion to get in this book? I want self-control. You ain't going to find it on Facebook. Hey, let's farm together. I've got all these carrots. I don't know what to do with What's the point of this again? 
Now, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong to get on Facebook. Guys, it's good. It's nice to have relationships. You're able to touch each other, tell each other, look, I'm drinking coffee at church right now. Like. Like. I'll tell you what I love. Love. Is when I'm reading my Bible. And I'm telling you, I'm reading some passages here lately that just wrench me. I want God, I want, I want to spend time in His book. And if you want to have self-control, and that's where I'm learning my self-control, not out of fear. Oh, if I say that, I'll get yelled at. No, not anymore, guys. Not anymore. It's faith. Don't say that because that's not wise, Tim. Not because of fear. Fear is good for a while, but you've got to have faith for the long haul. So get in the Word. Get in the Word. Look at it says here. Look at this next. I love this. Is it true? Knowing God leads to self-control. I like that. Why? Because He controls Himself. What's another goal I can set? Well, goal number two is I will... It's about accountability. I will practice accountability. Now, this is a tricky thing. This is a tricky thing. But Paul is telling... He said, I go into strict training as an athlete. And, I, you know, even back then in Greek times, all these you know guys that were these Greek wrestlers and they could throw stuff and they could, you know, do run fast. They had men in their life giving them some coaching. Look at this pastor. Look at this. It says, a person does not get enough advice, then his plans will fail. But a person will succeed if he listens to the things wise people tell him. And guys, it's this practice of, and by the way, it's the practice of accountability, not the practice, not the practice of dependability. And there's a difference here. Accountability... Um, I don't know if any of you caught it yesterday in our meeting. And I, I, Alan said something kind of stupid. Well, it's kind of. It was just stupid. And uh, I look at Gary and go, hey, he can't save me. Let's help him with that. And so in front of you all, you probably were so busy thinking about other stuff, you didn't see this. Gary leans over. What did you say to him? Yeah, you're out of line. You're out of line. And Alan goes, okay, and he apologizes. What's accountability look like? I think you just saw it. Uh, uh, accountability is later we have a conference call, and Alan says, I need help with this person. We've just been rubbing the wrong way, and I need your help here, guys. I know it's not right. I know it's not good. And so what was Gary safe? No, I'm not helping you. No, he goes, I'll help you. And I said, I'll help you too. You need to stop letting that person get to you. That is your sister in Christ. I'll help you. I'll talk with her too. We'll work through this. Accountability is, is when you let somebody speak into your life. And they're helping you get to where you want to get. In fact, I think Tom Landry is. We got that coach. Look what Tom Landry says. Tom Landry was not a yeller or a demeanor. He didn't pick on his players. Where's this guy at Rutgers? You heard about that coach at Rutgers? What was he doing? Throwing basketballs? Calling him all kinds of... You're thinking, what is wrong with that guy? He's psycho. Is he a fan? No, he's the coach. 
and he got fired. But he's a coach. Why did he get fired? Because he was out of line. And look at this. Here's what Thomas said. The role of a coach is to make men do things they don't want to do to achieve the results they want to achieve. And Tom Landry was known as a man who never raised his voice, never demeaned his players. He let them choose, but he provided accountability. We need to learn that here. Do you have people? You know, guys, I want to tell you, in our small groups here at Greater Alton, that's the kind of stuff that's happening. It's happening. People are, are getting accountability, and they're getting help, and they're growing. I could give you person after person and bring them up here, and I'm telling you, that's what's going on. Do you have accountability? Have you made that your goal? What's, what's a, the third goal? What's the third goal? Can I, before you write that down, I'd like you to edit that a little bit. That third goal is, I will seriously address my habits. I will change my habits. Sounds so impossible. But if I seriously address my habits, they begin to change. Look at this passage. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life. A God-fashioned life. I'd like you to circle God-fashioned life. See, that's what the fruit of the Spirit's about. It's the spiritual, the spiritual impact of God having control and He's fashioning a life for you. And it includes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. You know, and he says, for that to take place, you got to get rid of some stuff. It's rotten. Get rid of it. You don't kind of push it away. You don't kind of sashay away from it. You get rid of it. You dump it. How serious are you about changing your habits? How serious are you about making those habits really change? See, guys, I think this is interesting. Athletes go into strict training. They're training their body and mind, and I think even their spirit for competition. It's ironic to me that 87% of all Americans, 80% of Americans uh, that, that have running shoes never run. See, I, I've got this long process, Gary, like this. Stop drinking soda. And Joe comes in. Carrots. Vegetables. Daniel. Check out the cheese. And this third one. Exercise. See, I use these shoes to run from that man. Okay, if I'm running. <laughs> don't give me do that. I don't want to go. You know, it's leisure world. Why do they call it that? Nobody's resting. What are you doing? I'm in leisure world. Yeah, you sound like you're just relaxing. But if I want to get serious about taking care of my body, or if I want to get serious about taking care of my emotions, or if I want to get serious about taking care of my finances, or if I want to get serious about my plans and my ambitions and my desires, I've got to get 
serious about it and do something about it. It won't change until I do something about it. You see? And it'll never change for you unless you decide to do something about it and something serious. So I I have to change these habits. See, self-control is about removing and replacing. It's about both. It's about resisting, but replacing. It's about it's 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 an activity that says no to the to the. I said, I said it this way in the first service. I hope you I hope you appreciate this. I learned to say no to the right things. You see, you mean wrong things, right things, the right the things that I know are wrong, the right things that are wrong, and say yes to the right things. It's 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 removing and replacing. It's self-control is a response ability that I have. So these are so guys. Is your is your goal to really get serious about your stuff, or are you so busy caught up in somebody else's stuff and making sure they're serious about theirs? You want self-control. Somebody else having it doesn't mean you're going to have it. Okay, here's the last thing, and I know we got to hurry. I've went too long, haven't I? I haven't expressed. I haven't done very good in self-control, haven't I? Here's the, here's the third one. When I stay in God's love. If I want self-control, I must stay in God's love. I have found this to be true. Maybe you find it as, as well. That self-control, that self-discipline is not easy. In fact, it's a fight. Paul says it's like boxing. I don't. That's like UFC stuff here. It's fighting something. And, and it's fighting my moods. It's fighting my, 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 my habits. It's fighting the purity in my life, my priorities in my life. And, and why? Why is it so hard? Because you're fighting and I'm fighting the same battle. It's against our nature. Our nature says, this is what I tend to do. And this new nature says, we're going to change that. Not without a fight. And it's a fight to the death. You're never going to get along with your sinful nature. And surrendering to it over and over again gives it more power in your life. I don't know about you, but that sounds frustrating. And that's why it is frustrating when we're fighting those old nature, that old nature. We battle and we fight and we begin to lose some motivation. What will motivate me? I'll tell you what used to motivate me. What used to motivate me was this. Oh, Tim, don't do that. Resist it. Have some self-control. Why? Because you know how you're going to feel after you do that. Anybody ever done that before? You'll know how you'll feel. You'll feel guilty. I used to record myself after a habit I had, and I would record myself after I did it, telling myself, Tim, this is how you're going to feel if you do that. You're going to feel like this and this and this and this and this and this. And I would have, when tempted on my recorder, you might think it's silly, but this is what I did. When tempted, hit play. And I'd play it, Tim, don't do it. Here's why. You're going to feel like this. I'm, myself is telling myself, don't do it. And what is it saying? Guilt. Guilt is waiting for you. And you know what? It worked for a while. And guilt works, you know, how you feel later, Tim. I learned there's something better, more powerful than guilt, and it's love. 
Because love is about how God feels about you now. And when you realize that, that is powerful up against these habits. Love is a powerful thing. More powerful than anything. People do crazy stuff. Insane stuff because of love. Things that you think, great, was it, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. And how many times have you seen people out of love put their life on the line and not because they felt guilty or it would give them good press, but because of love. You parents know what I'm talking about. You sacrifice for your kids because of love. It's more powerful. How many times have you, have you had your kids, and I'm one of those kids that did this to my father who was a chain smoker. Dad, would you please quit smoking? I want you to... I'm seven, eight years old. I want you to see my, my, my sons. Please stop smoking. Ever had anybody, you ever done that? Or that's happened to you? Your kids are saying, and you, out of their love for you, you stop for about two weeks. Or out of, your, out of the love for, from your spouse, or the love from a friend for two weeks. There's something more powerful than that. It's the love of God. The love of God is an incredible motivator. Look what it says here in Philippians 2. For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. How is God working in me? What is it that's actually working in me? It's His love. His great love for me. In fact, look what Paul says in Titus here. He says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It's available to everybody here this morning. It's available to everybody that's not here this morning. They all, we all could live a self-controlled life because it's available to us. What does it do? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. What a powerful motivator. Look how David says it. David says it this way. I always keep the Lord in front of me when He is in front of me. When He is by my side, I cannot be moved. That's why my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body rests securely. What's he saying? What's, what, what's he encouraging you and I to do? Here's what he's encouraging you and I to do. Guys, the next time you wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth curbing my spending when everybody else is just charging and going into debt around me and they got new stuff all around me and I know they're in debt up to their eyeballs? Is it worth not getting into that? Is it worth going through setbacks and, and, and relapses to get to recovery? Is it worth it? Tim, is it... God, is it worth it? Is it worth... Next time you ask, is it worth staying calm when every bone and cell in your body wants to lash out and get even. The next time you say, is it worth it? All you got to do is put the Lord in front of it. Put God in front of that thing. And you know what you're going to see? It's worth it. It's worth it to be humiliated. It's worth it to go through failure. It's worth it to let down your way for God's way. It's worth it, Tim. Don't give up. Don't stop, Greater Alton Church. It's worth, it's worth going through pain. Guys, to please God, sometimes it's not going to please you. So go through that unpleasantness. 
Because the goal is to please the Lord. And you will find control that you didn't have before. You'll find that you can rest securely. Second Thessalonians, may the Lord bring you into an ever deeper understanding of the love of God and the endurance that comes from Christ. He's saying that love gives us this endurance to get back up, to keep going, to never quit. He says, Paul says here, you know, he says love never quits in First Corinthians. He says it never quits. And when you know this love and experience this love, you won't either. Why? Because he tells Timothy that God did not give us the spirit of timidity. What a powerful verse for my life. I realized, guys, if I don't have self-control in my life, I'm ungodly. If I don't have self-control working in my life, that's when I'm ungodly. Why? Because fear comes not from the Lord. Power and love and self-control do. So I ask you today, whether you're members here or, or guests, I simply ask you, do you have control? Where have you lost control? Elmer Fudd said it this way in Bugs Bunny. Acme Pest Control? I have a pest that needs control. That was so funny. It's so funny. But what a what a thought. You have a pest. Isn't it? You have no control. Acne can't help you. Jesus can. From Him comes self-control. What do you need to let go of so God can have control? What will you let go of so God can have more control?